Hello, Nathan Foster here, and welcome once again to the Renovare Weekly Podcast. My guest this week is James Brian Smith. James is a professor at Fringe University, and there he directs the Apprentice Institute. James is also one of the founding board members of Renovare. James is an author of a number of books, probably most notably would be his Good and Beautiful God series. And uh, my personal favorite was a book he did a number of years ago called Room of Marbles. In this interview, James and I talk a little bit about a holistic view of spiritual formation and some of the false narratives we have about God and how that affects our formation. The Apprentice Institute that James runs is having an event in September in Wichita, Kansas, and we talk a little bit about that coming event. As always, thank you so much for listening and enjoy. Jim, how are you? Doing well, Nate. Good to see you. You too. Can I call you, can I call you Nathan or Nate? Because I like both. You know, I actually like Nate. Do you? I, I, I've always said Nathan, but when mm-hmm. I turned 40, I thought, I think I'm going to go by Nate. I like it. Okay. Hey, Jim, talk to me a little bit about a holistic formation. Some of your thoughts on that. Yeah, that's what really, uh, you know, I'm very passionate about that because having been a part of the, the movement of spiritual formation going back to obviously the early work your dad was doing in Men Renovari, <clears throat> and just seeing that uh, formation is not a few isolated practices that we do occasionally. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, you know, Dallas once said that he was afraid that the spiritual formation movement would grow so rapidly that it wouldn't be able to have a strong foundation underneath it academically and theologically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so that to me, uh, <clears throat> I've seen hap- Unfortunately, I think Dallas was very prophetic. Um, and I'll give an example. Uh, I was, I was asked to speak at a conference at a very large church and, um, when I got there, I mean, we're talking like thousands and thousands of member church, right? Mm-hmm. And so when I got there, I was told that I was going to be working with uh, not one, but two spiritual formation pastors that they had on their staff. I thought, oh, this is great. I'm going to learn from them. So I, I asked these these folks, I said, so what, where did you get your training in formation? And and they said, we don't have any. Mm-hmm. I said, you'd like none? They said, No. I said, okay, well, how long have you been on the job? And they, they said they've been there six months. I said, well, what have you done? And they said, well, we, we've got, we put up a Bible verse on our website every week. I said, that, okay, that's nice. What else? And, and that was it, Nate. And, and, I, and I'm not trying to be critical of them. It's just that's a perfect example is, is somebody on their senior staff said, hey, this formation thing sounds important. I guess it's we're not using Christian ed or discipleship. Now we're actually, we want pastors of spiritual formation. Mm-hmm. But there's no, the training hasn't, isn't there, the, the strong foundation. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. it'll degenerate into little practice like, oh, let's put a Bible verse here or let's, sure. let's occasionally have a do Lexia or occasionally do this or that. So when I talk about holistic, what I mean is uh, looking at the entirety of the human person, every aspect of our lives, our bodies, our minds, our narratives, uh, co- our communities, everything is impacting our formation. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and you know, it's not just about a few religious practices. In fact, it's not about religion at all. It's about a, a, a way of life that's more holistic. And that's what excites me. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and coming at that from the idea that potentially our training or, our, you know, our kind of foundational knowledge base then helps lay the groundwork to kind of view formation as a holistic 
um, a thing. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And one one example is in my own experience was I had some pretty bad God narratives. I had kind of a bad view of the gospel. Um, I, I became a Christian at at the end of my senior year of high school, and I did so basically after, after having read C.S. Lewis's *Mere Christianity*. Um, and I didn't have a church, or I didn't have anybody leading me into it. I mean, I had a guy that was kind of kind of an evangelist for me in a way. He was, but he didn't like push me into the faith. Mm-hmm. I actually just thought, I think Jesus is awesome. I mean, this <laughs> what, what Lewis was describing was like, this is so good. What if it's real? And so I prayed to be, you know, to make him Lord of my life. And amazing things began happening, but it wasn't it wasn't too many months later that I was on a college campus. Actually, it was University of Northern Colorado up in Greeley. It's sort of mm-hmm. my freshman year. And a guy from a parachurch organization came, and he, uh, he'd, he'd heard I was, you know, a Christian, but he wanted to make sure. And so <laughs> he, um, he ended up, after he heard my testimony, he said I wasn't saved. And, uh-huh. I, and uh, he, I said, why? And he said, well, you didn't, didn't say the right prayer. And so he fortunately had a little tract with him so he could, it looked real legit. And he said, he showed me that I was a terrible sinner and that I had to realize that, that I should go to hell. And, um, but that Jesus took my beating and I can, I can go to heaven if I say the prayer. Sure. And so I said the prayer, you know, pull pull the levers, right? Exactly. (laughs) Ching, ching, I'm in. And, uh, well, even afterwards I said, so I'm saved because you said I wasn't. I said, am I saved now? And he said, like, maybe. He said, <laughs> you can lose it. And so well, I tell that story just to say that there's a view of God behind that story. It's uh-huh. pretty dark. And um, and it, that story has nothing to do with creation. It has nothing to do with covenant. People of Israel has nothing to do. You don't even need the Old Testament. It has nothing to do with really the incarnation. It's mm-hmm. just all, you know, a little. some blood was spilt so you don't have to burn. And so I had bad God narratives, and and but but then I transferred to friends, and I got to take classes with Richard J. Foster, and I'm learning about this life with God, and I'm seeing this man who has this vibrant, real, like he knew Jesus, he didn't just know about him, and I wanted that, and so I started doing the disciplines, but my God narratives were so bad mm-hmm. that I turned the practices into deadly legalism, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and so one of the things I've learned in my own journey is if you have bad God narratives. The spiritual dis- disciplines can make you worse. Right. They did for me. Right. I mean, I got worse because I was <laughs> I was trying to get the not happy God happy with me, and and that was dismal. Yeah. So that's what I, that's a part of what I mean by holistic is mm-hmm. is let's 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 think about our thinking about God. Uh, let's try to see God as Jesus mm-hmm. portrays Him because you know you, you see Jesus and you think, wow, Jesus is great, and He was saying. I'm the revelation of the Father. What mm-hmm. you see in me is, is Him. Yeah. One of His disciples said, "When will you show us the Father?" He says, "You've seen Him. Mm-hmm. It's me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my words, my actions, the Christ form is that, and and that's so good and beautiful and true. Yes. Whereas yeah. some of the God narratives, the one I got was not good, beautiful, or true. Yeah, yeah, and and has such destructive fruit. I mean, yeah. I I think this is something that I. Well, and, I mean, you do a good job, I think, in Good and Beautiful God, starting with some of these narratives. And I, 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 I've been speaking on this a fair amount. That until we, I mean, we got to start with the narratives, mm-hmm. um, because it, it does become dangerous and um, it can become Pharisee training of sorts. Yes, um, but that's yet, what I was becoming. Yeah. But yet, that you know, it, to to kind of 
begin to challenge and work with those, that takes a long time. I mean, we've spent years developing these destructive narratives about God. Yeah. They don't change overnight, do they? They don't. And I think that, um, I think the more, the longer that we've had them, um, and, and here's the thing I also think, I think when you combine, and this is going to hit, you know, some of your background, Nate, um, you combine it with shame, which is a very powerful emotion. Mm-hmm. You know, shame, shame drives things deep. And, and really that, that version of the gospel that I got was really a shaming and scary story. And that shaming scary story, because when you, when you have, it's, it's not just a narrative, but when you add shame to it, it embeds it really deeply. And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. for people like me, it's really hard to come out. My wife didn't. Megan didn't get it growing up. She, she went to a church that, that preached more of the love of God. And um, mm-hmm. so she like, doesn't relate to me when I talk about how I used to <laughs> you know, wonder how God was going to smite me yeah. For, yeah. for a sinful thought. And, um, but yeah, I think, I think yeah, longer held. And, and they, they, you're right. They don't go away overnight. It's interesting because in in one sense, I want to tell people that begin with your narratives that spiritual practices can, you know, you can reinforce some of this. I'm earning and, you know, trying to, you know, make God like me or something. Um, yet, however, spiritual practices help with that. And, and so one of the things I've been, I'd be curious to hear your opinion on this is, Working with when I was teaching at the university is having students in beginning their spiritual practices, working with these narratives and making those spiritual disciplines to really examine the truth about who God is, truth about who I am. Um, I don't know. Do you have thoughts on that? I do have thoughts. I totally agree with you. I mean, because you can, I mean, if we're just going to sit around and, and think about our narratives all the time, that's not holistic either. Right. So it's a matter of saying, look, I'm working on my narratives. But I'm also I want to approach the practices in a different way, and to see them as ways of helping to uh, embed a true narrative. And mm-hmm. so that's why, like in the Good Beautiful God, the very first practice is sleep, mm-hmm. which was very counterintuitive. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it turned out to be a great marketing thing because people would say, "You should read this book, The First Spiritual Discipline of Sleep." <laughs> well, I can do that. Uh, but that was actually intentional because uh, sleep is. You, you can't be very, very proud about your sleep. You can't turn that into a spiritual merit badge. You know? no. Look at me, God, I slept 10 hours. <laughs> so it was a way of saying, this is an inactivity that is actually healthy for you, and it gives you a good God narrative. He made us, he designed these bodies of ours to need to sleep, to spend a third of our lives doing nothing. Right. And that's an act of grace. <laughs> so, so I think, yeah, so practices can be ways, and like a, a basic one, like counting your blessings Mm-hmm. Uh, or spending time in gratitude. It's one of my favorite practices. Mm-hmm. It's just to take 10 minutes and think of all the things I'm grateful for. That's a practice that I do. I have to do it. But when I do it, it embeds a really great narrative about God. It's, mm-hmm. um, because I can, I'll never stop being able to give thanks for the blessings. Mm-hmm. And that's, so they're, if you have the, if you're working on the right narratives, then the practices can be really wonderful. That's the thing about your dad. You know, when I, when I shared with him about, you know, my struggle of getting out of the bad narratives and how the, the disciplines were harmful to me, he didn't really relate to it because he didn't, he didn't have those, thanks yeah. be to God. Yeah. And so maybe it was his good Quaker teaching somewhere <laughs> early on that, that got him better views of God, that, that, uh, and he missed out on. Well, I, the, I'm uh, wondering if there's a generational 
thing because it seems to me when I look at people like my dad or Dallas, they didn't seem to have the same hangups. Mm. And I'm noticing um, one with students, but then also out speaking with people. When we start talking about narratives, we start talking about being loved, accepted as you are. This is new stuff for people in a, mm-hmm. in a way. And it seems to me, and I, I don't know, but it seems to me that culturally, um, generationally, there's some really, we're really, really damaged in terms of, you know, 50 below. Um, yeah. But I don't know. If it, does it seem like a generation? I think so. Thing? I think so. It's it's yeah. It's there. It's in the it's in the air. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing is that it's 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 so pervasive we don't even know it. It's like the the old story about the uh, the, the old fish is swimming by some younger fish and says, "How's the water?" And the other fish go, "What's water?" You know, I mean, like, <laughs> they don't know it. It's just that's where they are, and yeah. it's it's so pervasive. Yeah. That you, you you don't even know you're hearing it when you're you're picking up those mm-hmm. messages. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're right culturally, and, and and I don't think the millennials have it a whole lot better. I mean, my my experience. I, I don't. I, in, a, in one of my classes, I asked. There were 15 students, and I asked them, "How many of you relate to that sort of shaming, scary story?" And 14 out of 15, uh, 15 out of 15 said they'd heard the story. Mm-hmm. One person said. But it was put a little more nice. It was like it was a little more soft. It was yeah, you're really awful, but God died for you, so it's okay. But the other ones definitely got the. Mm-hmm. And these are eighteen to twenty-two year olds, so mm-hmm. um, it's still there. I, I I can't help but think it has something to do with being an achievement culture, a do more kind of you know push yourself, achieve, achieve. Yeah. Um, but yet it doesn't seem to be getting better. Uh, uh, f- for people, and I think to kind of kind of tie this back into where we began, that 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 really then has a holistic that that when we begin to change our God narratives, and then when our spiritual practices become um, these joyful activities that invite us into life with a loving God, uh, yeah. it does then affect all these other spheres and aspects of of, of our lives. Um, yeah. And relationships and our communities, the whole thing. It's it's a much bigger picture. And that's that's what I, I think is exciting to think about. How can I arrange my life in such a way that I'm experiencing God's presence, that I'm I'm engaged in the reality of the kingdom among us uh, in every aspect of, of who I am. Mm-hmm. It's not just a religious thing I do now now and again. Mm-hmm. That's that's the big that's the big thing I think. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's good. That's good, and then that's uh, lifetime lived out, huh? It just... Yeah, yeah, it's a wonderful thing, <laughs> and uh, and it ends well. You know, that's that's the other thing is that a, a lot of times the, the 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 narrative that goes with that shaming, scary story is about a really scary ending, mm. and then you get these sort of uh, that sort of left behind idea of it's going to be this this awful cataclysmic thing. You better get right, because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it, it's uh, otherwise you're you're not going to fly up. Yeah, and um, and that's 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 in the air too. You know, if you look at the history of of where we got that story, which is also not the story in the, in Revelation either. But mm-hmm. yeah, but the whole thing is good news from start to end. That's mm-hmm. what that's. We just got to get back to doing it. That's why I appreciate your work, Nate. It's it's great, and yeah, and then what you did with Ordinary Saint was was brilliant to be able to to take those practices and and you. I think in that book, what you did. Was you made them um, so accessible and real 
Because mm-hmm. even you know when Celebration came out, it was it was this breakthrough. No, Protestants didn't talk about it at all. Mm-hmm. But you were you you picked up on wait, oh, there's another generation. There's another way to to approach them, mm-hmm. and that's what I've appreciated so much about that. Because you know, when you I think I told you what I loved about when I was reading it is I, yeah, I had the same impact as when the first time I read celebration, which was I wanted to do the practice. Mm-hmm. And so when I read your <laughs> book, I went, he's doing what his dad did. I want to do the practice, but you were, you were, you know, you are, you are gentle with, with, and personal mm-hmm. as well, which I think is very helpful, particularly in this day and age is, uh, I think, I don't know what, where you stand with post-modernity, but where, whatever we're going to call where we are, mm-hmm. uh, people want to trust the person that's teaching mm, true. more than any other period I've seen. You know, I think like when, when I, I brought Donald Miller to the campus around 2000 uh-huh. and, and he was such a hit with the students because he was so authentic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that was when I first saw it. I thought, wow, he, this guy's like saying, I don't have the answers. I don't really know. I love God sometimes, you know, whatever. You just be honest. And the students are going, yes, he's real. Uh-huh. And that's what I think what you did with your book. was like, this is a very real, honest account. I appreciate that. Shall I go on praising you and your I, book? I think we, you should. I, <laughs> we should. <laughs> well, I think the bigger picture on it is we end up teaching what we know. And, yeah. and I like that. I mean, for you and telling your story of, I mean, you know, being on the forefront of this, you know, the work of Renovare and, and spiritual formation as we know it now. Um, but then your own story. And that contribution of, wait a minute, there's an important piece of looking at narratives here in a, a holistic. That's, that's so helpful. Yeah, so thank helpful. you. Hey, could you just, as, as we um, begin to wrap things up, tell, tell people a little bit about your organization, Apprentice? Yeah, the Apprentice Institute, we started in, in uh, 2009, and we're connected to Friends University, so we're, we're within the walls of Friends and it was it was an attempt to, to take the, this the spiritual formation body of teaching and uh, uh, have it set it into a university. So it's been great. We've been, we've had uh, a lot of students. We were the, I think we were the first undergraduate program mm-hmm. in Christian spiritual formation, and uh, to to have an undergraduate curriculum that's mm-hmm. essentially teaching Renovare. It's, you know, it's Dallas, it's Richard, it's, I mean, we literally use Streams of Living Water, devotional classics, uh, mm-hmm. Divine Conspiracy. And so it's so great to, to watch these, these 18 to 22 year olds um, move into that. It took me a while to figure out how to do it because I made the mistake of having the freshman read Divine Conspiracy <laughs> uh, when I started. That was a bad idea. And uh, now they wait till their junior year. But, uh, and they've got to get some vocabulary to get to Willard on that. But sure. but when you when I when I watch them go through this arc by their senior year, going, I I know what this is. I know what mm-hmm. that balanced vision for life in the kingdom uh, can be. I have these this panoply of practices that I can that will stay with me forever. So that was exciting to start this undergraduate degree, and then we do this national conference, and that's been wonderful to bring in speakers from all around the country to. Uh, to come in and share what they know, their their brilliance. Like, I think the year you were here was like, I think it was John Orberg and Nan, John and Nancy, weren't they? Mm-hmm. The year and you yep. and your dad and so yep. just just to bring people like you all in um, to gather together has been great. And now we just we're starting a new master's program. Okay, and uh, uh, I'm excited for that. To uh, we have an adult 
uh, certificate program, and we're using that as the on-ground portion of a of a master's program. And is it a residency and online? A it's, it's a it's a hybrid. There's there's residency and online, and um, it's great. We got you know, Shane Claiborne, Scott McKnight, uh, Kurt Thompson, who's a neuroscientist who, who does formation stuff. Got a good group of uh, faculty, mm-hmm. and I'm really excited about that. So that's just getting launched and. Um, uh, I, I look forward to that. This, I, I love. I love the adult learner as well. They're yeah. they're very different than the undergraduate mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. students. Uh, they come with a lot of life experience and um, a little bit of insecurity if they've been out of college for a while. Uh, but but uh, they bring a passion that I really like. Yeah, and, yeah. Oh, that's so, great. And then yeah. you, and then you've got this event coming up. We do. We do. We're doing another uh, national conference. We call it the Apprentice Gathering. You know that because you've spoken. Yeah. at that event and our, uh, did a wonderful job. Uh, but we're doing it again, and uh, we're excited about it. September 29th, October 1st. Got a great lineup this year. The, the theme is the wisdom of kingdom living. Okay. And got uh, Nat- Natasha Sistrunk Robinson, um, Kent Onan, uh, Soong Chan Ra, who's done an, um, amazing stuff on Prophetic Witness, Kyle Strobel, who I think you know, mm-hmm. probably, he's at Biola, but... Uh, Kyle's done stuff with Renovari, and then Jen Pollock, Michelle. Maybe my favorite book I read in the last year was hers, mm-hmm. uh, Teach Us to Want. Mm-hmm. looks at the Lord's Prayer from the as- aspect of desire. It's really cool. Um, so we're excited about that. We've got some great intensive workshops, and um, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad to uh, continue getting people into good old Wichita, Kansas, to <laughs> come to reflect on what it means to uh, live in the kingdom. So. That's exciting. What do you when people coming in for it? What do you hope for them to experience or walk away from from this uh, gathering? You know, I th- I think every Christian needs to kind of a a mountaintop experience once a year just to energize them and get them excited for w- what we're doing. And these gatherings, there, there's a kind of energy that happens when you get all of these people from all around the country. Seventy you percent know, come from outside the state of Kansas. That's mm-hmm. been a consistent. Number we don't really understand how that happens, but it does. <laughs> but you get these people who, um, you know, very much since we're a part of the Renovari Ren- family, we you know these people, these folks who want to live life in the kingdom, and uh, you get them together, something magical happens mm-hmm. every time, and people walk away um, ready to go and, and excited to mm-hmm. to do that. One of the things that um, we noticed last year, one of our students, Jenny Easley, she was volunteering at the conference and she said uh, I, I just wish there were more people my age at this so mm-hmm. Jenna and some other uh, college students actually created a college track which is a brand new thing for us at the conference and Jenna happens to be here so I'm going to let her oh. tell a little bit about that if you don't mind. Yeah sure so this is this is a, a, a college track for right. college students who want to come to the event. Right. Awesome. Hi Jenna Hi I'm Jenna <laughs> Yeah, so we are super excited about this. Um, We are hoping that this is going to be something that is life-changing for some college-age students um, who are already interested in um, forming into Mm Christ-likeness. And so the the students that come sign up for the college track, they'll go to workshops together and the preliminaries together? Is that? Yeah, that's correct. So there will be some of like... Um, the bigger talks that um, the gathering um, attendees will be going to. Um, So we'll join in with that a little bit because I think one of our main goals is to um, 
kind of combine these two groups of people, these these leaders in the church who are attending the apprentice gathering, mm-hmm. um, and for these college students who are in these churches with them to like, so that they can lead from the top and college students can lead from the bottom, mm-hmm. um, and so that we can come together and understand that like we are growing together in Christ likeness. We may not have a whole lot of in common, but we have Christ in common, and that's that's all we need. Um, and so we want these students to be in community with them as well but mm-hmm. also we have other workshops to where um, they will be separate and they will learn about spiritual disciplines mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. fantastic good and are you are you you started this are you leading in it heading it up yeah so me and another girl her name is aj um, we kind of came up with this um, it's going to be led by um, friends university students okay. um, as well as another professor here and so uh, it's just going to be a time where it's going to our hope is that it will be a community where um, college-age students can come and they can ask these questions of what is what does it look like to be 22 and in college and following after Christ. And we can ask these questions together and seek that and go on that journey together. Awesome. I love it. That's well, great. Thanks for sharing that, Jenna. Yeah, um, Jim, how can people sign up for the, uh, the, the conference? Uh, yeah. Just go to www.apprenticegathering.org uh, or go to the apprenticeinstitute.org and you'll find some links to it. So um, we're excited about it. And um, it's just great to be able to do this kind of thing every year. And, and one of the things your dad said that I thought was really helpful was he he, he t- talked about Elton Trueblood's Yoke Fellows Conference that he did. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it was never really a big, huge conference because, you know, we get four to 600. But he said Elton just faithfully did that and it built a community over the years. And we're seeing that after the five years we've done it now heading into six. So yep. it's pretty cool. That's good. Well, that's one of the things I noticed being there is that there are people who this is on their calendar every year. Right, to come yeah, we've had a lot of people who are repeat offenders, as we, as we call them. <laughs> they've, been, they've been to all five. So that's really yeah. great. Yeah, and you guys do, I mean, one of the things I've noticed you do is in terms of the workshops, the breakouts, I mean, you've got, I mean, I'm sure logistically it's a real challenge, but you've got something for everyone in terms of there's a lot of offering on the plate, apart yeah. from the preliminaries. Yeah, that's, yeah those, those workshops are great. There's intensive workshops that are nine to, to four on all day. You can really dig deep with, with some kind of master teacher in one particular area, and then we have hour-long workshops during the retreat and, and lots to lot choose from, as you mm-hmm. said. Mm-hmm. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks for uh, sharing. Thanks for letting me have your people know about it. Thanks, Nate. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely.